0: And welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy podcast, and also Angel. I'm
1: Allie. And I'm Jenny. I think I forgot to say it was an Angel podcast last time.
0: Well, that's all right. I think we were clear when we started talking about Angel.
1: (laughs) Fair. Fair.
0: At least I hope so. Those Buffy watchers getting very confused. (laughs) Um, But today we're talking about... um, Oh, shoot. The, the hard, Harsh Light yeah. of Day and... Um, after Dark. After Dark. Thank you. They have little I, titles wow. that go together.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. You know, in I the Dark. I really need
0: to start making a note. It's called In the Dark. In the Dark. Yeah. I really need to start making note of these angel titles because I've been watching I, on Hulu, yeah. so, like, it's just sometimes you just forget to note the title name. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and I just don't know, like, at least with the Buffy ones, I'm, like, pretty familiar with the names, but I don't... Yeah, yeah. Like, the angel That's ones true. I don't have memorized.
0: <laughs> I think I've watched Angel through, like, twice, so... Yeah, yeah. I've only seen all not of it, quite as I think, familiar. once. That that could be true. Was that was that when I made you watch it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen a lot of it since then, but not all through, I don't think.
0: Yeah. Um, but before we get into it, uh, how was your week? It feels <laughs> like I haven't seen you in forever, but I actually had to remind myself that I saw you, like, a week ago. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: yeah. It is weird how, how quickly time goes sometimes. Um, I... I'm certain that I said this to you a hundred times and possibly even on the podcast, just for a lot of reasons, November was like the slowest month I've ever lived as my whole life. <laughs> so everything feels like super speed now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a very interesting week. Uh, you know that I started a new job on Tuesday, so yes. I'm like in a a big transition period um, and also it's been freezing cold here. <laughs> uh, so those are my two big life updates. I've been go- shivering my way to a new office. Oh, my office is really nice though. It is kind of cold, but otherwise it's really nice.
0: Is it closer than your old office mm-hmm. to where you
1: live? Yeah, it's a little bit closer, which is great. Um, and the office is way nicer.
0: Oh, well that's nice. Cause I did see your old office. <laughs> <It> was, uh...
1: <laughs> Not impressive. <laughs>
0: Not that nice. <laughs> I don't it's really get it. cool when you like walk in and you're like, oh and then you like get into the like yeah. where the people work and yeah. it's not so nice.
1: <laughs> it wasn't. This one has like a real kitchen. They have a coffee maker that okay, I mean, you know, every I appreciate that this was a gesture that was made at some point, but like at my old office we had, you know, those like coffee pods, but it was some like knockoff one and it was the worst coffee I've ever had in my life. So the point where it was like at a certain point I was like Every time I would make myself a cup, I would get really angry, like, at my desk. I'd just be like, oh, my God, this is just so bad, and I'd get, like, really worked up about it. And so I was like, okay, I had to just, like, forbid myself from drinking it because I was like, there's no point in getting yourself worked up over coffee when I could just bring my own. But all this to say that the coffee at my new office is, like, very, very good, and so far I have no complaints. Excellent. And otherwise I'm – the work is – is i'm still learning about it
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'd say the snack situation is or coffee situation at least i don't know what your snack situation is but that's 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 nice to hear yeah because like i mean working in california i feel like everyone's trying to outdo each other with like the uh, amenities that you Mm, offer employees mm -hmm. and so like even like i i mean i i don't work at like google where they get like you know
1: have a whole cafeteria. What else? But like, we still yeah. have like
0: a snack wall and like,
1: yeah, you know,
0: we just got a um, like a loose leaf tea. Oh, that's so, cool. Oh, it's actually terrible because like, people Zero. are always like, "Oh, we're out of this one already," and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know who drank that," <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely me. It's always me.
1: That's really because funny. I
0: love really good tea, and like, this isn't like the best tea I've ever had, mm-hmm. and like, a lot of the flavors sound disgusting to be honest. But like, it's. Definitely a step up from like the the tea bags we were using. Mm-hmm. Even though we were using the really nice tea bags that are like loose leaf in a like a nylon bag uh, yeah. or something. It's not the same. But then the problem with those is like, this was what drove me nuts is like, the tea was like okay. It's mm-hmm. like whatever you're getting at like Starbucks. Right? Yeah. But then you can't compost the tea bags because oh. they're nylon.
1: Oh, shoot. I never thought about yeah. that.
0: I have composted so many of them. Or, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, because it was just habit. Yeah. And then, I was like, one day I was like, "Oh, these are definitely not gonna biodegrade." Shoot, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but now
0: we have like the little, um, we have little individual tea bags that are, you know, made from like paper or something. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. It's it's, it's I, nicer all around. Yeah. I just feel like I should talk to our office manager and have her make sure I get a separate <laughs> <cancer>. <laughs> because I do feel like. But actually, it. The amount that I've been drinking, like, I think they get renewed every week. And, like, I'm definitely not drinking enough to totally empty it every week. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are people that are definitely taking part as well.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, Other than drinking and stealing (laughs) all the tea in your office, did you have a good week or anything? Um, I
0: did. It was, you know, tough being back in the office. Yeah. um, Because I let myself work from home last week. And it was a slow week because, like, a lot of our offices were closed. Mm -hmm. And. Um, so like this week everyone's like back at work and it's kind of like, Oh, right. <laughs> I have to do a job now. So, you know, that's never fun. Yeah. But, um, but it went by really quickly. Um and I'm traveling next week, so now mm. I'm just like making sure I get everything done before yeah. I leave. So I've got like a hair appointment next Tuesday. Which oh that's is exciting.
1: Like
0: crazy overdue. Um, I might let myself go get a pedicure, which I never do, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be wearing sandals and going to the beach. So I'm like, yeah. maybe I should. Yeah. Although I just tore my feet up with blisters with my <laughs> <laughs> So like right. I might not need to go get a pedicure because I feel like I might be at risk for like a flushing. Oh God. Yeah. Maybe I'll give myself a pedicure. I'm really bad about that, but, but I got fun, new purple nail polish for Christmas.
1: Oh, oh yeah, you did. Huh?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. from it's, Santa. I'm pretty sure the the color of that electric purple or whatever, the electric violet or whatever the Pantone color of the year.
1: Oh, right. You said that when you opened it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'll be very trendy. Yeah. Although I'm a little worried that putting that color purple on my toes might make my feet look dead. <laughs> I
1: have had that experience once or twice. Usually with greens. I've had okay purples, but I'm certain that there is a lime. Um, yeah,
0: I've had like, one time I think I got like a light purple or something, and I was like, this was a mistake. Yeah, your
1: little zombie feet. <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway, speaking of zombie feet yeah,
1: not, um, There were no zombies most, in these.
0: Yeah, there are none. Um, but there are vampires. Yeah. And in the harsh light of day, we get our favorite vampire back.
1: That's true. I'm really yes. excited. I'm happy that we he's welcome back. welcome
0: the Ugh. season four return of Spike Yay! Himself. Yes. Um, Which is amazing. And I think that's a cue that I have to have Claire back on the podcast now because. Yeah.
1: No, he's back. She
0: loves Spike and um, she's got to tell us her thoughts. But maybe we'll wait until he sticks around a little more permanently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But we get to see a few familiar faces in this
1: one. Yeah. Do you want to do a quick recap?
0: Yeah, um, so let me see. So I watched this on Monday, so let's see if I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, basically we're seeing Buffy and the gang kind of settling into college. Mm -hmm. And Buffy is starting to kind of um, consider dating at college, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see her getting closer to Parker, who we met in um, the previous episode. He's um, the cute upperclassman who taught Buffy how to uh, game the dining hall system, <laughs> and so apparently they've been hanging out nonstop. And you know she's kind of spying on him at the Bronze, and he um, offers to walk her home, and he asks her to go to a party with him. Which I guess if you are on a college campus like this, is like the big a big deal. Sure. <laughs> um, I feel like having dates to parties is not a thing that happened. In my college experience, like, <laughs> not the way the social life worked, but anyway, on TV it is, and so um, you know Buffy's kind of excited, like she's you know starting to date someone new, and um, but we also see after they're all hanging out at the Bronze that Willow gets attacked by a vampire, but that vampire is Harmony, <laughs> who we might all remember from being friend. Friendish with Cordelia, mm-hmm. um, who we but we did see her get bit at graduation, and so she was turned into a vampire. Um, which honestly, Harmony as a vampire is pretty much like Harmony as a human, yeah. <laughs> um, except that she tries to bite Willow. So Willow and Oz run to tell Buffy about this new development, and also Harmony drops casual mention of her boyfriend,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who at this party that Buffy goes to, she turns out she finds out is actually Spike. Who is back in town in Sunnydale, digging for an artifact called the Gem of Amara, which apparently is kind of like the vampire fountain of youth or something, like where it renders the or holy grail, it like renders the wearer immortal. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, can't be staked, beheaded, or well, maybe they can be beheaded. I don't know. Um, killed by, but they can't be killed by sunlight or fire. So basically, it allows a vampire to walk in the sun.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which, according to Giles, was like a, a, basically a myth, but they find out after there's a sinkhole in the middle of town that Spike is, in fact, digging in Sunnydale for it, mm-hmm. and he actually finds it. So, um, obviously, Spike's first thing upon finding this gem is to go above ground. But meanwhile, Buffy and Parker have been escalating their uh, <laughs> relationship to the point where Buffy sleeps with Parker. And, you know, it's totally a natural thing for her to do, but... Parker, instead of becoming a nice guy who wants to hang out again, basically like got what he wanted from Buffy Mm -hmm. and doesn't call her. He ignores her. He um we see him finally hitting on another girl and Buffy confronts him and he basically turns around and kind of treats Buffy like she's insane for assuming that if they slept together, he would continue to show any interest Mm -hmm. in her. Um, tries to play the whole like it's kind of immature to expect something more or, you know, and, and Buffy being the, you know, um, somewhat romantically, uh, inexperienced person that she is, mm-hmm. like, doesn't really know what to do. Like, she's a little bit hurt and taken aback by this, um, but unfortunately Spike encounters her at this moment, and so he attacks her, um, and Buffy has to, uh, basically, try to kill him while he's wearing the the ring. Although she does stake him, so that's points for Buffy, but he won't die. It's taking forever. (laughs) Um, You're almost there. (laughs) I'm, like, really trying to remember what happened. So, um, eventually, Buffy just rips the ring off of Spike's finger, and since it's daylight, Buffy um, gets the upper hand because Spike has to, like, basically run back into the sewers. Um, And rather than destroy the ring, Buffy decides to give it to Angel. Mm -hmm. And so Oz says that his band is going out to LA for the weekend for um for a gig and so he offers to bring the ring to Angel, and that's where we leave off mm-hmm. until Angel because
1: it picks up. I will more point of
0: this out stuff. this is three episodes into season one of Angel mm-hmm. and we're already getting our first minor crossover
1: mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: How did I do? That was a. Uh, Man, Pretty good. Not,
1: not short. <laughs> I feel like you got into things that I wanted to dive into. So that's helpful. I start, but this is
0: my problem when I don't like <laughs> kind of make myself an outline is I start to like analyze it as like, yeah, oh, I was like, no, I'm no, like, no, I, to talk, don't this, talking. I to talk about this, to talk about this.
1: Um, so, but yeah, so I guess, man, I will be honest with you that like, I think this episode is fine. There's a lot that I think is like well depicted in it. Um, But that being said, I kind of I struggled to kind of find like a deeper message in it, Uh, which isn't to say that it's not there. But like so I guess my question to you is like, what is what is the metaphor of this one or is there really one? Um, No, but I think I think
0: there's not. And I think that you just hit on the major problem of the transition to college. mm -hmm. and It's something that we talked about before, where finding metaphors for high school is so easy because the reason metaphors work is everyone understands what you're trying to say, right? Like, you're saying one thing but you mean another and it's pretty obvious. But everyone's college experiences are so wide and varied and also... Yeah, it's just not as like horrendous in a lot of ways that like finding a demonic metaphor for it is really hard. Be- and I yeah, think
1: that's a great point. There
0: isn't one in this episode. I think because it's two stories of Buffy's getting her heart stomped on, yeah. and then also she has to fight an old enemy, and like that's it. Yeah, and you know, and but that's a
1: there's good point no too. I wonder even
0: metaphor between Spike's quest for the gem and like. You know, I mean, there's an overarching theme of this episode for sure, right? But it's not like a metaphor, like a d- demonic thing, right?
1: Because you're you're right that like Spike is the demon in this episode, but he's not really yeah. doing there. And I guess, for, I mean, at least one of the themes or one of the things that's certainly being woven out, woven in and out of this episode is all the like sexual relationships, and basically all of yes. them are defu- dysfunctional. I would say in this episode. Yeah. So there's Buffy and Parker. There's Harmony and Spike, and there's Anya and Xander. Um, Anya's back. All right, Yeah. Anya, Harmony, Spike are all back. So yeah. this is a big, big episode for people returning and people who are all going to stick around for at least a little while. Um, but yeah, so I guess what this is just kind of more on what you were saying is it's like they maybe could have tried to draw some analogy between like the Spike-Harmony. I mean, and they do try and draw lines between what's happening with Parker and Buffy and what's happening with Harmony and Spike. But it ultimately really falls apart for me because... Like, it's, I mean, I'm certain that other people could have very different interpretations on this, but for me, it's hard to get too worked up about anything that Spike is saying or doing, because at the end of the day, at this point, he's really still just being painted as a villain. So it's like, yeah, Mm. is he being a shitty boyfriend? But, like, of course he was going to be a shitty boyfriend. He's a vampire, you know? Um, Well, I think the way
0: I looked at it was we have these three relationships that we're focused on, Mm -hmm. and the thing that ties them all together is it's kind of like these three fairly new relationships, Mm -hmm. and it's all about kind of the awkwardness of, like, dating new relationships and also the way relationships form and interact and, like, what people are looking to get out of them. Like, if we start with Spike and Harmony... We don't know how long they've been dating. But it can't have been much
1: past, you know, that end of high it can't more than, like,
0: three months. Yeah, exactly. But, like, we don't know how soon after Harmony was turned she, like, took up a spike. We don't know. I mean, it sounds like Spike recently just came back to town. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't know yeah. where they met or how. Or, like, we have no backstory on what Harmony's been doing between turning into a vampire and showing up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Other than not so going to that, Paris.
1: But, She's been not going to Paris.
0: Right, so it sounds like they've been together long enough that he's promised her Paris or something, but um, but we see them where, like, obviously they're demons, and so they're not, like, the emotional stakes aren't as high. Drusilla dumps Spike, so he's, you know, basically Harmony is, like, his rebound, mm-hmm. so, like, he's obviously just in it for, like, the physical relationship with Harmony, like, just to have someone around, because we have seen Spike the romantic in the past, like, he right. likes to have a girlfriend. He does, so, like, Yeah. He's replaced Drusilla with the best thing he could find, mm-hmm. and that was, unfortunately, Harmony. And Harmony, you know, is as a new demon, is enjoying kind of, like, the violent aspect of their relationship. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're not in love. They're not... Um, he's not really interested in her beyond, like, a, you know... A plaything. Sexual yeah. toy, basically. Yeah. Um. In fact, her presence at any other time annoys him. Yeah. So we see that. Then we see Anya and Xander, where Anya shows up and basically professes her love and... or.
1: Lust, Lust or yeah,
0: she has no idea but human feelings for Xander mm-hmm. and which perplexes Xander a little bit after they've only been on one date and mm-hmm. also the date when which she told him all about how she tortured and killed men throughout history, yeah. So. Fair point. Um, But then her, you know, new rational, like, approach to this is, well, we're just going to sleep together, and then we're going to be over each other, and, like, that's it. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't work. Like, she obviously still has feelings for Xander. Xander is a bewildered party in this (laughs) situation. Basically, we see him just stumble into a new relationship of this, you know, Anya really likes him for some reason. Mm -hmm. And Xander's not going to say no because, like, you know, his only other, like, recent romantic interest was faith right so as he as he brings her up in this that Anya's still romantic more romantic than faith um so we see that and then and then we see Buffy and Parker where you know Buffy coming from her history of Angel and you know he being her soulmate Mm -hmm. and they're so in love and it's like this epic romance to meeting someone else and you know, deciding that she's going to go for mm-hmm. it, but then learning that that doesn't always translate to that person. Then decides that you're the one person that right, live with that, right. or or that even like for Buffy, having sex with Angel was like this big thing, and it was made even bigger by the fact that the very actor. Right. Was him evil. <laughs> yeah. So she she has sex with Parker. There's that kind of brief moment where she worries that that also turned him evil, right? Because he's she wakes gone up and he's not there. Yeah. Um, but it, it kind of does and it kind of doesn't. Like you could argue. Parker's nature didn't change between no. sleeping with Buffy and after. He just made her more aware of what he was like mm-hmm. for real. I mean, like Parker's, I mean, he was certainly putting on a face. Like, absolutely. He's got a game that he's playing with Buffy. But like Buffy he's kind of really the, he is kind
1: of the inverse of Angel, who is absolutely. nice and trying to stay nice. Like he wants nothing more than to not turn into his evil self versus Parker, who's clearly putting on a mask, just, and can't wait to take it off. <laughs>
0: yeah. But I think put these all three together, and you kind of, that's kind of the through line, like running through yeah. this whole episode. But I would agree with you that there is a complete absence yeah. of like. Yeah, it's just really hard metaphor. to find like, not, deeper meaning you're in it. i are not trying to yeah. say that it means anything more. It's just like, I think it's just a study of like, you know, you have that shot where. Buffy, Harmony, yeah, and Anya, Anya are, like, first of all, they're walking, like, five feet away from yeah. each other, so if Buffy's looking for Harmony and Spike, she can just turn around yeah. and fight <laughs> Harmony, Like, that's a little annoying. Um, but they're, you know, these women are not getting what they want out of their yeah. romantic...
1: And they're all sad at the end. Yeah. But I guess what... Yeah. I, I mean, we I should move on because I think you've explained this well enough, but it is just kind of... I guess it just was frustrating because even, you know... I will obviously jump on any opportunity to like rag on Xander. And even in this episode, I was trying to be like, Oh, okay. So that maybe that's what it is. It's like, all the guys are jerks, but like Xander doesn't really do anything particularly jerky in this. You know, Anya really does come on to him really strong. And I don't think it, he's not ambiguous or, I mean, he, he isn't sure what he feels, but I feel like he's being really honest with her about where he's at, which is he, he's the one who explains all to her. Like, Hey, we only went on one date, so I'm not really sure what you're looking for. So I guess I'm just saying that it's like, even trying, I'm trying to find again these are clearly the through lines is like these three relationships, but even trying to draw parallels between all three of them, I, I keep falling short. So anyway, yeah. I don't really know what to make but of you that. You could also other than- argue
0: that Xander is almost helping Anya by the fact that like, she very strongly comes onto him and says that she wants to do this thing. Yeah. For like, for her getting over him. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Like, You know, yeah,
1: Um, I guess the other you know what? I I think the other reason that this again, it's funny because when I was watching it, I wasn't unhappy with this episode. But now that we're talking about, it really is kind of falling short in a number of ways. I think the other problem is that it is the first time they're doing a crossover. And so this one is kind of they really are one episode that needs to be watched together. But then that also kind of falls apart because they go from one you know view of storytelling to another pretty different one. So I guess I'm just saying that, yeah, like this kind of is a lead in. It's not really a full arc. Like they don't. I don't feel like it really concludes anywhere satisfying because at the end, it's it's just waiting to be picked up again in another, another the next scene. You know.
0: I mean, I would almost. Almost say and we'll talk about it, but I think the Angel half of this works much better than the Buffy half. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but I also think you're right in that it's only nominally a crossover because, like, the only through line is this Gem of Amara. Mm-hmm. Like everything, like else the plot is the crossover, different.
1: but the themes yeah. have nothing to do with each other. Or I mean, not yeah. nothing to do with each other, but little. I would say other than yeah. the names, they clearly named them to be a pair. But like, even that, I was like, oh, funny. This one's about light. This one's about dark. And then I was like, well, that isn't getting me any closer to any meaning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean not really at least. Um um
0: speaking of light though, how jarring was it to see Buffy and Spike fight in the daylight? Yeah,
1: that was really weird. I was um, like and
0: also that no one else noticed?
1: I know. I mean magically the quad was empty then. I will say both of these episodes had a lot of like they strained my credulity I think quite a bit. Um mm-hmm. but again, I think that's going to happen a lot in these kind of in these seasons. Um So I know we talked about this Enough, But I
0: do have one more question mm-hmm. about... I want to talk a little more about the Buffy and Parker Oh, yeah. Thing. I have lots
1: more to say. Well, I have more to say okay. about Parker.
0: Because I know that Buffy's romantic background is, like, either non-existent or Angel, right? Like, it's... You know, and, and Angel is not really a good example of how every boyfriend is going to act. I mean, like, she
1: did have boyfriends when she was in L.A. She
0: did, and she also had Scott in, right. you know all this stuff but like and and I would I would say that it's totally fine for her to think that you know she hung out with Parker mm-hmm. and then then she slept with him and then she, it's not wrong to expect a little more from him mm-hmm. although we kind of get that they have not known each other for very long they haven't been hanging out that seriously yeah. like have they even been on a date it's unclear like is this their first date so like when he becomes this total asshole and like turns on her like it's a little weird that Buffy doesn't just get mad and let it go. Like the fact that she keeps asking him, like, can I do anything? Yeah. What did I do wrong? Like, I don't know if it's because Buffy is like, we're supposed to think she's like so desperate to get over Angel that she really is just like going to totally invest herself in the first guy that comes along. Or if she just like, I, it I just think doesn't paint Buffy in a very good light that see, she's just
1: like, I disagree though. That's it. I, I mean, whether or not this is the right story to tell with Buffy and Parker specifically, I think maybe we maybe we hung up on him talk about. I think it is. They are supposed to have been hanging out for a little bit longer than we've seen. I mean, right. It's been at least a week since that last episode. And I think, you know, the way things that sometimes work, the way things sometimes work in college is it's like you have all this free time, basically. So, like, you can spend several hours a day with a person for five days in a row. And that does start to feel like a lot. I guess to me, this relationship more or less rings true to things that I've either seen or things that I've experienced myself because it, I, I think it was hard for me to watch this and not feel like, you know, if I was 18 and that super smoking hot guy had been flirting with me for a week, I think I put I, I mean, I probably would have fallen for it too, I guess is what I'm saying. And it, or no, I have I certainly think... fallen for variations of, of it and had, you know, not, I don't not think that had it this exact same true. experience, but I've had similar conversations with people at various times in my life, only to, in my older age, look back on it and be like, oh my God, you're so stupid. Why did you not just see what was happening?
0: I get that, and I also think that that part of it rings true to me, but what doesn't ring true is like Buffy's handling of it. Like I think the way we've seen her I guess her she does seem
1: a little desperate, but I think she's pretty yeah. vulnerable because of this whole other sexual experience that she had where her boyfriend tried to murder her whole, her whole family. I mean, I think but that's I kind think, of the point yeah. that they're
0: trying to make is like Buffy's fears of what happens I, after sex. I guess she just, just like has Skywalker so, yeah. doesn't allay them. He basically becomes a human version of Angel. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or Angela. Yeah, and I don't think that she's doing, I don't, Particularly feel like she's using Parker as a way to really get over Angel, but I do feel like her she has so much weird baggage and expectations both from the good sides of Angel and the really bad sides that like I mean it'd pretty much be impossible for her to have a healthy relationship, you know. At this point, I think.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, maybe that's I what mean, we're without going into saying, therapy or it's, talking it's not, about it, so like I feel like it would have come down a little bit clearer if like she had had a conversation with Willow about like. Are guys always like this after sex or like something like I feel mm. like we're doing a lot of the work ourselves. Oh, which is I see fine. what you're saying. Like, okay. thank you for the faith in me. But I feel like we're possibly like assigning a like, you know, right.
1: I mean, we're grasping a for a storyline to
0: this that like doesn't exist. You know, and you I know think, again, I mean?
1: this goes back to the like the fact that this is their first crossover episode. They did have to spend a lot of time setting up what the gem of Amara is. And I think had they not yeah. had to waste so much time kind of going down that Like, there's sort of, like, two competing main storylines in this. One is Gem of Amara, because you need to know what it is for the next episode, and one of them is Buffy and all the relationships. But I I think you're right. I think they kind of There's a lot of of misspent time.
0: Right, and it seems like they push the Parker stuff so that Spike can specifically go to L.A. and tell Angel about him.
1: I mean, yeah, okay. I want to move on to that in a second, but... um, Ah, shoot, I just lost my uh, train of thought. Oh, but I guess the other thing that I think that they were wasting time on in this episode, and this happens a lot in Angel in the first season too, but like, it also felt like they were going out of their way to show that like, oh, they're in college now, so everyone has sex. Like it did feel like they were getting a little bit over the, like some of those scenes didn't need to go on as long as they did. Not because like, I mean, I didn't necessarily mind watching them, but you're right, now that we're talking about kind of like all these other like loose threads or things that didn't really get tied up, it's like, it's because you spent too much time with Harmony and Spike flirting in bed, which was like, it was funny, but like, I didn't maybe need it to last two minutes.
0: No, but that's a good point because we literally went in three months from, like, sex being a very big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, Buffy has sex with Angel and Angel becomes evil and, like, it's this whole epic thing. Willow finally has sex with Oz and it's, like, this really great positive thing. Mm -hmm. But it took them two years to build up to that. And and then we get – and, you know, obviously, like, I think the assumption should be or is supposed to be that other people in the high school are definitely having sex or whatever. But then we go to this very, ex- not explicit, obviously it's not explicit, mm-hmm. but this very, I guess this episode where they're trying to make a, take an aggressive stance on like, we're in college now, we're cool with the sex. Right, like, exactly. It just, just feel like there's no transition for the characters right, to like, right. in three months, Buffy goes from thinking, you know... I have this boyfriend who is forever and, like, Mm -hmm. we can't have sex, blah, 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 to, like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna, like, sleep with this guy, which, like, sure, maybe that happens, but, like... Uh, I think it
1: does.
0: (laughs) But we also have this, like, very pointed conversation between Buffy and Willow, where Willow is making the point that Buffy is allowed to want to have sex with Mm -hmm. Parker, which I think is a good thing, but I also think is the show trying to say, like, they're grown up now because they've aged three months. I guess you're right, yeah,
1: yeah. I just That's feel an like it's a little
0: jarring because I feel like we're we're taking a leap that the characters have obviously taken, but, but we've like, never seen them. It doesn't go through those feel motions. natural because it feels yeah. like the show is just trying to readjust to like, oh, we're in college now, we can do this. Well, Not necessarily yeah. thinking about like where the characters might be. Yeah, like like honestly, before Buffy sleeps with Parker, I would expect her to have some pause about like sleeping oh, with someone. Last <laughs> time I slept with my boyfriend, he turned evil. Yeah. Like, is that gonna you know? She doesn't even blink. It's and a good it's point.
1: Like, if she were literally anyone else. Then I guess this storyline makes total sense to me. But you're right, as we've discussed, she just has so much, really specific baggage. That yeah, like I I can't imagine. You're right that it doesn't really make sense like, for her to get to this point. So, I would
0: like to see this in like episode eight mm-hmm. or something. And I think, but, but to, we can't because then we have to introduce other people. But right,
1: but yeah. also just again, just to your, to to both of our points, I think that what is ring, what's sticking out about this is that it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel natural, and it's. Be- I feel like the reason the reason that I'm seeing is because the showrunners and our network and our writers were, like, in- emphatically trying to draw a line for viewers of, like, we're not in high school anymore, can't you tell? It's because we're being so dark. Like, I feel like we talked about this with Angel last week, where it's like they're, sometimes it's like, I get that you need to make delineations, and I appreciate most of them, or, like, I, I like the tones that the show's, End up taking on, or I like where they end up going, but when they're sometimes trying to do it so stark, you know, they're trying to just shove it down your throat basically. Or I'm like, you could be a little more subtle with these themes, and I would still get it, and it would still be fine.
0: Well, and also, like, Willow being, like, don't you just love it when it's new and, like, this stage and blah, blah, blah. And, like, she's sounding like the most wizened, like, yeah, yeah, you're experienced right. person. And I'm, like, Willow, you've dated Oz. And I guess like, I liked
1: it because Willow said a lot of things that, like, I think, has, you know, held up well with the over time. Of, like, oh, you sound so reasonable, Willow. But you're right that, like, how did you? I guess she's been with Oz for a while. but
0: She has, but, like, they've been sleeping together for four months. Yeah. So, like, I just, I just feel like Willow is sounding a little bit... Willow is standing in for the show being like, this is a really okay thing, yeah. and like, this is great, which it is. I agree with everything that they're saying, but at the same time, it's odd coming from the characters, because they haven't made the same jump that the show has
1: made.
0: Yeah, I, That's basically my point, because yeah. I feel no, like... No, I mean,
1: we, I, I get... Yeah, exactly. I think we're making... Yeah. We've gone through a sex wormhole. And making... <laughs> just making... Yeah, we're just making the same point, which is that I think that the show is trying... The writers are trying to emphasize things that they haven't worked towards. So it ultimately right. is just not really ringing totally true. Even if, like I, I mean, said, I think all the scenes themselves ring true to me. Like, I think most of the things that Buffy says and most of the things that Parker says are things that I've heard or said or have said to me or whatever, like some versions of these, right. I are, are, feel very genuine, but that they don't necessarily work for these characters right. in this moment. I mean, Parker works because he's only existed for two episodes, but
0: yeah, he doesn't have the, the background really, but
1: yeah. Um, I just
0: feel like they're trying to make a point and they haven't earned it. it very yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. And also, I'm not sure what the point is. <laughs> I still we've been talking about this for a while and I'm still not sure what the point is. Um, I think the thing that I want to only other thing that I want to say about Parker and, and Spike. Uh, well, uh, I don't know. I did really like I don't like it. It was awful to watch. But the scene when Buffy is being sad and mopey and confronts him on the bench or whatever, and he's like, oh, be careful, because my ego's on the line. And he ends up, like, manipulating this conversation to a point where she apologizes to him for, like, Mm -hmm. having even approached him or talked to him ever. And I'm just like, Uh, man, you are just... I mean, like, Parker is really good at this manipulation. And it's hard to watch. But it also, again, like, that is a thing. I have apologized to people before being... And then, like, only now am I like, oh, my God, like, you didn't do anything. Yeah, like, especially
0: that part where Spike... Kind of like witnesses the exchange and calls it all out. And then he's yeah. like, "Yeah." And then he's like, "I bet he got you to seduce him." And it's like he knows. He does. And Spike's yeah. been around, so like he knows how it works. But like Parker is a master. Yeah. Like he he played Buffy like a violin. He really did. And got her. And and he and then he's also like you realize when they're having this conversation like this is not the first of these conversations that he's yeah. had. Like he's got a script for this too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. I think the thing that made me angry about it was. I wouldn't... Exp- I was mad that it worked on Buffy, I guess. But, I mean... Because... I
1: think it's... Im- I, uh yeah.
0: But I, I do think you're right. I think it's important to remember that Buffy is young and inexperienced. Yeah. And why wouldn't this work on Yeah, her, she is know? still so
1: an 18-year-old girl who's only had one boyfriend, so... Yeah. And... And and, yeah.
0: and you know what? Maybe we should enjoy this before they start basically turning, in, turning them into grown-ups before they're even 20. Yeah. So. I
1: mean, and we're going to have some similar conversations down the line, I know, but regardless. Um... Okay, so I'm I'm disappointed that we didn't get an answer to our can vampires go into dorms question in this episode, but yeah, I just want to note it. Apparently, they can go into frat houses.
0: I guess it was because it was a party. I bet at some point, like you show up at the door and someone's like, "Come on in." Oh, uh, like, fair enough. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'll I'll accept that.
0: That was my assumption. I just want to
1: keep not. making notes of this because I feel like we need to really just we're going to all on the it. rules <laughs> in college.
0: We need to make sure they're doing yeah it right. exactly. <laughs>
1: Um but yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess you know, people learn some important lessons and grew up a little bit in this episode, but it that's all I really have.
0: Well, and it's funny, like I I guess I never really noticed until um well, until I was looking out for it in this particular go-round, but like you know, in the pilot or not the pilot, the first episode of this season, we're introduced to a bunch of new people mm-hmm. that we haven't seen since, but that will become more important. And it is a little bit interesting about, like, I kind of I kind of like the approach of the show of, like, we're going to introduce you to some people, yeah. and then they're going to go away for a while, and then we're going to bring them back. That's true. it's kind of like real life, where, like, you meet people... You and, don't like, know who's going to be really, important
1: and who will stick around. Exactly. Yeah. Like,
0: nothing... It's not really important. And then, then when you can bring them back, you've just established that this, you know... Um, Whatever progression yeah. has happened off screen, I guess. That's a good point. I mean, we haven't seen any more classroom scenes. Yeah. We haven't, you know, um, I guess really... I don't know why I'm talking around. I know.
1: This,
0: we, haven't, <laughs> we, we haven't seen Riley again. And Professor Walsh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, we. I mean, even in this episode, um, we haven't really seen the Initiative. Yeah. Or, sorry, the Soldier Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> again, no, the Initiative. What? I,
1: they, I seriously, yeah. like... Well, I guess just to clarify that they haven't named them as such so far. That's um, true. Yeah. The commandos or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, so let's move from the harsh light of day into the dark. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Before we do, though, I really want to just mention, I know this might become a point of contention down the mm-hmm. road, but I do just want to reiterate that I know that Anya is problematic. Okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> but let's just call her my problematic fave.
1: Because okay, that's fine. I mean, I she, love Spike, so who am I love? I was argue immediately
0: like, Emma Caulfield was on my screen, and I was immediately like, yes. Yeah. Buffy is he, like, this is what I want out of Buffy. Like, her humor, yeah. like, the character, like, everything about it. Like, even Xander comes off better around her. It's like, true. You know, it's just, it's
1: really and nice. And she fills in kind of the parts of the holes that have been left by Cordelia by being the really blunt and honest person who's not totally on mm-hmm. board with the gang. I mean, yeah. she hasn't really gotten to that point yet. Cause obviously she's only interacting with Xander, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And on a fashion note, I really liked the dress she wore to seduce Xander. Oh
1: yeah. I did like that. Also though, at, when they were leaving the bronze, Devin was wearing such a like bizarre crop top. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? Is, that was not a moment in men's fashion that I ever remember, but whatever you do. I you, think it's
0: a moment in Devin. You fashion. do you Devin.
1: Um, I read online that this is the last episode he's in, which is kind of a bummer. That makes sense, that but I'm surprised me. No, I guess I just he's well, just kind of been there in the background so much that I I kind of just thought he was always in the show, but like obviously he's not going to be in it forever, but
0: Well, I guess because he comes with ours. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. Well, you know, I was still I expect- think technically we met him first, so Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, farewell, Devin, yeah. if that
1: turns out yeah. to be true.
0: Series wrap on Devin. Yeah. Um Okay.
1: Can we move on to Angel? Let's talk about in the dark. Okay. I will attempt to... I always take notes in the beginning of this. the (laughs) bar is really low, Jenny. I always write summary notes, but then I always forget halfway through because I start making my regular notes, and so then I never really finish out the notes. But anyway, so this episode doesn't actually pick up immediately from where Buffy left off, but instead we see Angel helping um, this... You know, there's this woman in an alley... And then Angel comes to her rescue and it's uh, established that she's maybe the first client that Angel Investigations has had. And she's like, Oh, surprise that Angel has shown up the way that he said he would. Uh, But then the camera pans back and we see Spike who's just there heckling Angel the whole time. Uh, It's mostly pretty funny though. He's homophobic. Um, Hmm. uh, The rest of it was funny. Uh, But yeah, so Spike has followed Oz because he must've overheard or I forget if that happened on screen. He and Oz are both in L.A. Oz to hand off the Gem of Amara to Angel and Spike has followed the gem there because he's trying to get it back. Um, So sure enough, Oz delivers it to Angel, um, who hides it in the sewers and uh, Spike just keeps seeking it out. Eventually, he captures Angel with the help of this super psychotic vampire named Marcus, uh, who is prone to torture uh so they try to torture the location out of Angel. Meanwhile, you know, Angel's friends this time including Oz, um Doyle and Cordelia are all looking for the gem themselves and trying to figure out what to do. They end up coming up with a like uh plan, I don't know. They have a plan. I don't know how good it should have worked, but they end up rescuing Angel, but in the midst of it they lose the gem and instead of Spike getting a hold of it, this other guy Marcus gets a hold of it. Um So he takes it onto the beach. He takes it into the sunlight and he is previously mentioned that he has an affinity for torturing children. Uh, So Angel is like really worked up about this and decides that even though he's super injured and needs to rest, that he's going to go out and fight Marcus, which he does. Um, And he finally gets the gem off of him and then they're able to kill him. Meanwhile, Spike must have run away and I forget when that happened. Um, but at the very end of the episode, Angel has, has the gem. He enjoys one final sunset and then decides to destroy the gem for reasons that we should discuss.
0: That was a great job. Thank you. Um, first question I always have, and this goes hand in hand with how I sometimes forget Spike is in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, how did Spike know that Oz had the ring? I don't know. I guess. Do you think he just assumed that Buffy would send it to Angel?
1: I mean, it's not a bad assumption, but yeah, he'd But, like. Certain, also, though, this is he's... a question
0: I had the entire time. Yeah. How does everyone know Angel is in L.A.? That
1: is a question that we had also, and also because even if they know he, he was in L.A., know, he hasn't
0: contacted anyone. Yeah. Cordelia is not letting anyone know where she is. Yeah. Like, how do these people know? And then also, Oz walks in and he's like already kind of knows they're running a detective right. agency. He
1: heard it like heard how? rumors how? is what he how? says. I'm assuming Angel called Giles or something. Yeah. I mean, that does seem like a thing Angel would do.
0: I just feel like we went from two episodes ago. He's like prank calling Buffy. Right. To like now apparently they all know what's Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a good point. I
0: I would love some fill in the gaps, please.
1: Um, I mean, and the other thing that was kind of driving me nuts in this episode was like how everybody's plans were terrible. (laughs) It's like Spike's plan is to hire another vampire to get this location of a ring That uh, like obviously that other vampire will want it. Spike is convinced that he doesn't care about anything except torturing people. But like obviously he could torture people even better if he was unkillable. So what? Spike, come on. Like Spike's usually the planner. (laughs) It's the thing we have in common. So I don't understand why he's slipping up. But even like Oz and Cordelia and Doyle's plan, their plan was to literally hand over the ring. So then the best case scenario of this plan is that Spike has the ring. (laughs) Like that's not good. I guess they were just going to deal with it later. But you know. Thought out, I
0: guess. I mean, I think the whole premise of this episode is to have Angel confront unlimited power sure. and then decide that he's not worthy of it, which is only the only purpose of that is to reiterate that Angel has come to yeah. L.A. to help the helpless as some kind of penance yeah. for his past. Yeah, and, and he's decided that he can't do the penance if he's got this cheat of. You know, right. Which, because as he says, like the, the, in the daytime, like there are a lot of people to help you. And so it's the people in the night that need the help, which I guess is a nice thing to say. It is. And
1: I appreciate his like recommitment to what his mission is. Um, but until you just said that all, I mean, and even now I'm, I, again, I still kind of struggle with like, I'm not sure that his answer at the end really makes sense. I also really wish this is, I feel bad because I know I'm, well, I guess I'm not really spoiling this for Alex. Alex is just reading Harry Potter for the first time if I haven't mentioned that before, but he's seen most of the movies. So, um, I kind of wanted it to be more of a, like elder wand <laughs> re- oh. scenario where they're like, well, you can't keep it. Cause everyone's just going to be trying to kill you all the time. Uh, and then I got that stuck in my head. And now I just wish that they had written it that way. Even though you're but, right I mean, it's that like this they're not, like... because,
0: like, you can't be killed with it. So. Well, except that Although, every... apparently, here's the flaw of the ring, is you can be ripped off your hand. Exactly. Man. Yeah,
1: fairly easily, it seems, too. And, and as much as, yeah. yeah, apparently it can't be killed, but how did that ring end up under Sunnydale in the first place? Somebody lost it or was killed. Or just decided
0: to bury it. I mean, it. the Elder one I mean... is also supposed
1: to make you unable to be defeated, and yet that passes hands, so...
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot about this yeah. that is just... I mean, like, also, the thing that I would question the most is, like do you think if Angel wore the ring and then like, do you think it would stop him from losing his soul?
1: I don't think it would. And that is, I think, yeah, that I wish he had said that, but I also think that like more so than his penance, his real reason to not take the ring is because what if he gets turned and then he's unkillable Angelus? That's, I think
0: actually, I didn't think about that. That's, that's, that's a really that, good point. That's
1: a much better, more logical fear. I think, I mean, granted, Angel really does have some hangups about like what he does and doesn't deserve. And, so, like, I guess it's believable, but it it is hard. It's hard for me to reconcile. I understand the points that he's making, but he can ultimately be so much more helpful to people if he's even more superpowered. So, like, I I don't know. I don't feel like he grappled with it enough in the right ways. But, yeah, I, I don't think it would stop him from losing his soul because it all it seems to do is really physically stop you from dying.
0: I mean, all of this is just, like, it just seems like some weird... Like, there's, there's not a lot of depth to exactly. this episode, as much <laughs> as they want to try to, like, say that there is. So I'm going to shift gears, and I kind of want to talk about more from the uh, network or business perspective on okay. this. Um, do you think this was the plan all along, or do you think it's sort of a safety or, a, like, a, like, a backup plan, like, to have a crossover episode this early in hmm. the season? Um, and this is episode oh. three of Angel. We already have a Buffy character visiting the show. So and it's a minor one. It's Oz, so you know, maybe it's not like Buffy coming, but that will happen soon. But it's like I just wonder if it was like either they wanted to give Seth Green something more to do, or he was the one who, ha- or he was the one character who had the time to go film. Interesting, because like think about it, these shows are being filmed simultaneously, right? So obviously James is, he's in half of each episode, so he can go do yeah. it, and then but Oz like, is a minor I mean, enough. Allison Hannigan yeah. could have done. I mean, Allison Hannigan was barely in the last episode. It's so true. Um, but I'm guessing Oz was the most expendable, but also they've decided in episode three to say, we're going to have a crossover of sorts with Buffy. Um, I mean, which we're reminded of because as soon as Oz walks in, like they start reminiscing about high school and you know, all this stuff and you know, Doyle doesn't know what's going on, but it's like a reminder of like, we're from this other show, which, you know, to be fair, probably most Buffy viewers were watching Angel.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, or enough of them, but. And I don't know that many people were watching Angel who had never watched. Right. But um, it it just seems a little soon.
1: It's interesting, though, because I I have to tell you the truth, which is that I haven't watched enough spinoffs to know what is and isn't normal. But I would, if anything, I would have expected them to have crossovers in the first episode. But then again, you're really setting yourself up. I, I guess it's a tough decision to make. To
0: me, it just seems we are relying a little bit on the other show as a crush. But
1: I, I think you're right, though, that, that it probably was ultimately, like, a network concern of, like, how do we make sure that Buffy viewers are following us into Angel, the Angel time slot, and the easiest way to do that is to literally end an episode that you have to finish in another episode. Like, it's basically like it the,
0: w- But also do it in a way where if you don't watch it, it doesn't affect the plot of the previous show. I mean, this is something that we'll talk about when um, they do a crossover in a few episodes right. of, you know, the way they do that is... Basically, it's, it's almost brilliant if you think about it, because they're rewarding the Buffy viewers who then go and watch Angel, but if you watch, but if you don't, you're not really missing out on anything, and then if you, if you watch Angel and you don't watch Buffy, then there's, I mean, there's really not too much to catch up on. I think the one exception would be with Faith, but...
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you do miss out mm-hmm. and I think I, I I know that they're yeah technically they're written so that you don't miss anything but like this episode all but had a to be continued at the end of it you know the Buffy one mm-hmm. so I feel like technically what you're saying is right because but I feel I, like
0: the one the next one I'm thinking of isn't necessarily there's no continuation from Buffy so it's a it's a it's a standalone angel episode mm-hmm. in that it doesn't continue a plot that happened on Buffy, but if you don't watch the angel episode, the next episode of Buffy loses a little bit of Is that before or
1: after pings
0: It is I believe I don't
1: know these the orders that well enough let me well enough
0: look it up. I think it's either
1: I think it's it aired the same time mm. well, either way um I, ultimately, I guess what I'm saying is that I think you're right, that maybe that's also part of the reason why we're really struggling with these episodes is because they probably were given a task by the network to be like, hey, you need to do something that's going to get more viewers to follow us into the into Angel. I, I, this does feel, now that you've said it, it feels very much like an, a sh- a note that came from someone who's not really following along with the characters or that's not their main concern. So I wonder if that yeah. was definitely part of the reason why both of these seem to have kind of like they're, they're okay episodes, but they really aren't grasping onto anything deeper.
0: No, because also you're thinking, okay, this is the third episode. You have a cast of three people. You have introduced outside elements such as Wolfram and Hart and the cop, mm-hmm. already, neither of which is in this episode. Yeah. And, and you're spending an entire episode focusing on dynamics that you've established in another show, which I can understand using that to get viewers, but also at the same time, you're missing out on an opportunity for yet another example of the team coming together or realizing how they work together. I mean, you kind of see Doyle and Cordelia bonding a little bit. Yeah, and Cordelia
1: takes charge a little bit, but...
0: Yeah, but other than that, like, not really. You're bringing in Oz as an outside person in this plan, and the plan only works because Oz is there, and as always, Oz has a (laughs) So (laughs) It's true. You know, I mean, like, a lot of it is, like, if you're a fan of Buffy, it's like comforting and familiar and you're like yeah Mm -hmm. but like if as a show for angel it's like i feel like they're missing out on a chance to really explore more of what that yeah and i mean
1: other than angels kind of as we said like his recommitment to like being in the dark in the end which i think is is on on brand for the show the rest of this episode is kind of out of step with where they've been going with it
0: well there's and maybe that's what they wanted like there's a lot of that weird uh philosophical vampire but like where does that that fit in with the angel
1: universe it doesn't really
0: no, the only thing that guy's good for is like spouting off some interesting ideas about good and evil the... and then also like he, of course he wants the ring yeah. like spike is stupid to think he would the other
1: thing i'm i'm mad because i'm only just now reading this in my notes i was looking at my notes before we recorded today too and i was like i know there's something i wanted to look up and i thought it was another thing and i decided not to but his speech about pain and fear i think is strikingly similar to one that happens in firefly <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. so I need to go back and either rewatch it, just look up those quotes to just kind of compare them. But I think it's in the second or third episode of Firefly where maybe it's even the fourth one, but like there's that evil guy, you know, the second episode is like the train heist one and they're working for this evil guy who then swears like vengeance on them at the end. And then he comes back in another episode, but it's hit that guy in either that episode or in this, in the second one that he's in has like this whole philosophy about pain and fear and torture. And I think that they must be torturing, um, mal but i i just well, i'm like i'm episode like
0: over mal and wash get tortured certain
1: not that one. Oh yeah no it one. is that one it is that one i'm certain that there are echoes to this dialogue in this episode all that being said this that's one came entirely first, possible
0: so. i mean that's aaron sorkin is famous for repeating yeah. dialogue. i mean so really everybody not?
1: does it <laughs> anybody who i've stayed with yeah. long enough ultimately ends up reusing some <laughs> of the same ideas um yeah but yeah
0: um, so I don't really have too much more to say about this other oh. than the fact that there is a great sequence, though, at the end where um, Angel, without the ring, decides he needs to take out. the True. Because okay, the backstory of this other vampire is he likes to prey on yeah. children. Um, and he steals the Ring of Amara and he's on the Santa Monica Pier, like going after kids. So Angel decides he's got to stop him. So Angel runs out of the van into broad daylight mm-hmm. sans ring and bursts into mm-hmm. flame. And jumps off the pier, which is a great action scene. It is. But, oh my God, that was horrible stunt double disguising. Like, I mean, it's just tough he because... He was wearing what looked like a fake angel mask. And because <laughs> they had to shoot him head on, so they knew it wasn't going to look like angels. So they put him in some weird flame retardant David Boreanaz mask. And it was
1: not I mean, great. even <laughs> on higher budget shows, it's hard. Those like full body in, on fire shots are very difficult to make work. So like, I think they did far better than they could have been expected to do
0: for their budget. I'm sure it was great. But in the moment I was was, like, it was take
1: you, did take you out of it for a second. It also led into what, I mean, I know I'm just going to have to come to terms with this, but it really does bother me how fast and loose angel plays it. Angel, the show plays it with the rules of vampires because like, it just does not make sense that they could just be in shade all the time. Like vampires could basically just live normal lives if this were all true. Like they just make but so it many allowances go hand in
0: hand with what happened in the first episode where that guy was in the apartment yeah, of course. and it was like flooding light in but I think you're right that's not something that was allowed in It Buffy wasn't because
1: And I think they start getting yeah. a little bit more lenient and Buffy as well. And again, I really do I understand that like they had to make this show work with a vampire as their main character and they just were going to have to sometimes have him make doing things during the day. I I just wish that they really relied more on the, like, sewer explanation. Because even if that's not believable, at least I feel like you're being consistent with the rules. Whereas, like, it just does not make sense to me that he could just be in the shade. Mm-mm. In the pier. Where there was, like, they were under, like, a wooden pier. So there were holes in it. Look. Anyway.
0: It's a cool sequence, so I guess we shouldn't try to poke holes in it. Was it was a cool sequence.
1: Way. And the other, even in the very first, the opening sequence, this one where he's saving that girl whose name I don't remember um I even that one again like David Boreanaz and Angel really are a great action he really is a great action hero and like just even that sequence in the alley I was like man I could just watch you do this all day he he looks really great doing it (laughs) oh also this is a note from
0: are you telling me that you're tuning in to seal team six (laughs) (laughs) I'm not David Boreanaz action I am not
1: above that it's not on Might my list. I remind list. you
0: that when we were in New York and we saw that advertisement yeah, on the bus, yeah. there was a person on the street who was like, did you see that? That looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was not my thought. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>.
1: <laughs> credit where credit is due. Spike also looked really great in the last episode. I liked his little t-shirt only look. He rarely is without a, like some sort of overshirt and overcoat. But I was, I was, they
0: have to draw on all the veins. It takes forever. <laughs>
1: uh well regardless i was into it his just t-shirt and jeans look his casual uh construction outfit
0: yeah although let's just talk about less into spike's homophobia and casual racist slurs
1: oh right yeah that too oh
0: my god yeah
1: that was not his finest was like, moment
0: oh okay it well, so i much... guess this is how we know he's evil yeah
1: it had so many some some really good jokes but you're right that every other line i was like ah no don't say that don't say that it's also just very '90s style, I think, like mm-hmm. where we were as a society. It is
0: no, but I think the really the homophobia maybe, but the um, the slur not so later much. Later, he makes some slurs about Doyle, and I feel like that was more intentionally. Yeah. Okay, evil. you're probably right. I mean, it was like you could, if you didn't know what that word meant, you could miss it. But I was like, oh, we're we're doing that. Yeah. Okay. I had to stop and
1: think about it. I, I mean don't okay
0: I will just say that I am getting extremely ready for Angel to find its Yeah, me too. Because I I forgot how rough the first I mean they're not bad, but they're not you know the problem with these first few episodes is they're not interesting. Yeah. So Well, and like they're And that they're building a world, but they're also I think because you have a very small cast, mm-hmm. you have to make them individually extremely interesting. We already know two of them. But Doyle is kind of I was going like, to say misfire, Doyle is just and,
1: really the one holding it back and, until he's
0: But, and also, but they can't figure out what kind of episodes they want to tell, you know? And, and, and I think this is a classic problem of a show that knows it wants to do more serialized storytelling, mm -hmm. but you've got to build and keep an audience and figure out your voice first. And so I totally understand the case of the week bent that they're going on, but you know, I'm ready to get into the
1: stuff. Yeah. And I really liked the pilot. So I feel like they need when they get into a better, yeah, you're right.
0: But now I feel like we've seen everyone who's going to show up in the opening credit sequences mm-hmm. and like we've seen this girl, we've seen the other girl at the nightclub, mm-hmm. like I want to get to the, the actual s- stuff they film after they get the series. Picked mm-hmm. up, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so next time <gasps> we've got uh, episodes for mm-hmm. which, which is um, on Buffy. I'm very excited. It's Fear Itself. Love that one. It's a classic non-sequel sequel to um, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that. And um, I hope you looked up the name of the Angel episode because I did not. I did. I have it right.
1: <laughs> it's called I Fall to Pieces.
0: Okay. Rings no bells. Same. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know, I was realizing it has been, because you and I watched Angel, I think when I moved to San Francisco. Yeah. And I don't remember if we started with the first season or not. We did.
1: We, we definitely did? did. Okay.
0: So, but we watched them like like we basically watched like yeah, two three we episodes a night. Yeah, we, right? we were like, making we much, much faster, faster progress. Yeah. Um, but that was 7 years ago. So, it's been yeah. a while since I have watched Angel. <laughs> and I haven't watched any of
1: it since. I'm then, like so. even there's a thumbnail on the webpage that I'm at and I'm like skimming words this is not at all ring a bell to me. <laughs> I'm trying not to read the whole thing, but like, God, I have no idea what that episode's about. So I look forward to- It'll be a surprise. Look forward to watching it for the first time.
0: Yeah. I only know there's a clear delineation. So there's, um, I think through the first eight or nine episodes of mm-hmm. the season. And then I think I remember a little bit more about the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but not to get into too much of that. I mean, not to protect spoilers, <laughs> um, Although I will say episode eight, I am greatly looking forward to, and I'm stockpiling Kleenex in expectation. Oh, so
1: I think I know what that is, but I don't know the episode numbers.
0: Do you want to hear the name of
1: yeah.
0: it? <laughs> it's the one name I always remember. It's called, I will remember you.
1: I mean, no, that doesn't, that didn't no? no.
0: What if I tell you that it's a crossover?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I love that one. Okay. Then now I know yeah. what you're talking about then.
0: Yeah. <gasps> I mean, not a true crossover because it has no tie-in to the Buffy episode before it. So
1: yeah, there is some good stuff um, coming up. And again, once we maybe do some character rearranging, this show is going to feel a little bit more like it knows what it's doing.
0: I mean, obviously down the road, this show definitely shows that it can introduce new characters and have them become basically like absolutely vital to the success Mm -hmm. of this show. But I feel like in this first (laughs) season especially, it kind of lives or dies on the old Buffy cast. And... Yeah. You know, even the fact that they choose to bring in more is like I think a sign that they were like something's not working or like this is where we want to yeah. go. So. Hmm. Um anyway. Um do you have any pop culture <laughs> recommendations?
1: So sort of. <laughs>
0: Uh-oh. Sort of. It's not
1: really a recommendation. Um if we want <laughs> I just have been playing a ton of Super Mario World this week. <laughs> That's what's been eating up all my time, so it's not really a recommendation. It's a like thirty-year-old recommendation. I mean, there's way. I'm certain that many people could find an assortment of ways to play these games. All I want to say Actually, is I mean, that you can. It, it I holds think. up, and it is super fun. It is killing my and, wrist.
0: And can you? You should clarify that you mean
1: the Yoshi one. Like,
0: you mean uh, um, super, super Nintendo,
1: Nintendo super, super, super Mario, Mario World, World is the name of the game, though. Um...
0: Oh, okay. They didn't... I thought Super Mario... Oh, I guess you're right. They all have different names. They do.
1: Um, but it's the yeah. one where you... There's... It was the first one that I ever played with Yoshis, although I don't know if it's the first one with Yoshi in it. Um, but yeah, it's the one where you are out there. You start on Yoshi Island and you have the feather that you can fly with your little cape. Um, I'm a little sad we never got to
0: play. Because you did bring it to my house, but then we decided to go drink yeah. instead. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, well, it's small
1: and portable, <laughs> so maybe some new day. But I guess... Maybe then my recommendation is just like playing old computer games and old video games that you played as a child is never not fun. They always hold up. No. It's always super fun.
0: <laughs> I think part of the, the fun is the nostalgia exactly. and also you know exactly. What you do, so there's no like frustration. Exactly.
1: Well, but, like, I am still getting frustrated because um, like my dexterity is no, no, not no, what it used to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's frustration and execution, but at least you know what you're supposed yeah. to do. Well,
1: but it's also really frustrating when you're like, I know there's a secret exit out of this world. Where is it? But that's fun. That's its own sort of fun. Yeah. That's what I did on my snow also, day. Also,
0: please don't aggravate your carpal tunnel. I specifically gave you a mouse to prevent I know. that. I know.
1: Um
0: But I guess you don't have an ergonomic, like, Nintendo No, Google.
1: they don't make those. Um <laughs> I'll be careful. But that is what I did, like, we played Mario for, like, three hours yesterday after yeah. we both got sent home in the snow, so...
0: <laughs> there are worse ways to spend might
1: have afternoon. been longer than three hours i'm really not sure
0: <laughs> i'm 100 percent sure <laughs> no it was. comment i've met both you yeah. and alex i'm pretty sure it's longer than three hours it was
1: probably four <laughs> yeah anyway could have been five yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna say that <laughs> so that's my not really recommendation but just a thing that i've been doing that's fun
0: um i don't have one i've been reading some good books mm-hmm. um well actually no i you know I reread A Wrinkle in oh, Time. Yeah. Holds up. Definitely recommend it. I brought it back to I also to then New York read A Wind in the Door, and now I'm partway through A Swiftly Tilting Planet. Oh, you so skipped obviously, I'm...
1: You skipped huh? Many Waters.
0: No, that's number I four. I thought that was number three. No. So, this is what is interesting, is um, the Murray series, the Murray family series, is about traveling back and forth mm-hmm. in time. And I think the interesting thing about that is the fourth book takes place before the third book.
1: That's very interesting. I'm certain that mm-hmm. I had a really hard time figuring out when I was in middle school, like, what was supposed Be- to happen. Because
0: I have the box set, and it's clearly number huh. four. <laughs> so Well,
1: I'm going to do some research um, on this either way. Yeah. Um,
0: but you're right in that chronologically it does happen.
1: No, oh, I thought it was even, um, like, okay, what, whatever. I believe you.
0: Yeah, but I'm recommending basically the Time Quintet, apparently, because... Um, they all hold up, for sure. I mean, there's some stuff. I mean, they're definitely, when I'm reading it now, I'm like, oh, these books are a product of the Cold War, like, for mm. sure. Like, there's a lot of, like, not so much even Russian fear, but just, like, nuclear yeah. fear, and um, a lot of it centers around made-up South American countries, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it's really interesting. And, and the books are really simple, and I'm still cautiously optimistic about the movie coming out, Um but it was nice to reread. And so I would say that. But I think beyond that, I also want to give a shout out to our friend Jordan, who was on the podcast oh, yeah. uh last season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two seasons ago, maybe. Um, but he gave us I know we said thank you on Instagram, but he gave us these oh, yeah. fun <laughs> buffy figurines for Christmas. And just wanna say Thanks, thank Jordan. You, that was a very thoughtful, fun little gift. Um, sadly, my Buffy did not survive the earthquake we had the other <laughs> night. <laughs> well, she hid under my desk, apparently.
1: So <laughs> that was a really funny picture. I came picture. into work
0: yesterday, and she was on the floor.
1: <laughs> uh, my Willow's hanging out with an R2-D2 and some characters from the movie Coco that I also got for, <laughs> 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 for Christmas. So Willow's having a good time. I've been playing video games <laughs> and setting up all my toys on my bookshelf, so... <laughs> a-, a plus. <laughs> um... Shoot. I really need to read A Wrinkle in Time to reread it. I brought it home. I brought it to New York with me from my parents' house. Um,
0: I feel like, I think that's the first, I think the biggest thing is, I think was really the first book books. that I read I mean, as a,
1: like, as a, you know, I was probably 10 ish when I read it. I'm not sure exactly. I feel like that was the first time I had read something that really was like, Oh my God, you could do this with a book. Like, I think it really opened my mind to like, not just fantasy, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like that book is responsible for me falling in love with, Reading, partially. There's more than more than just that book, but I really remember it having a big impact on me when I was young.
0: Well, I think Madeline Lingle was really special, and and I will always say she as as mm-hmm. quaint as she can seem. She I think is my favorite author yeah. of my childhood because she had this way of making normal people approach yeah. like yeah. fantastical situations in a way that felt believable, like. To me, Meg can come across as really annoying in Wrinkle in Time, but like she's and even in other books, but she's acting Mm -hmm. exactly the way a normal person would act upon like being confronted Mm -hmm. with a lot of these situations. And she also wrote a another series about Mm -hmm. another family that isn't quite as sci-fi, but at the same time, they have these sort of special, like I don't even know how to describe it, but like maybe extra normal situations Mm -hmm. that pop up every now and then. I must've
1: read some of those. Yeah. ESP
0: and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, it's just a really cool, like every single one of her books is about a tight knit family. It's like definitely like talking about the value of family, the value of like
1: um, Mm -hmm. intellectual Mm -hmm. curiosity
0: and like explore, like expanding your boundaries, but also like remembering what's important and all this stuff. And like, I just think it's a really positive message even though a lot of the action can be yeah, about really yeah. scary things, um, like the threat of nuclear war or terrorist violence, or you know, or losing yeah. your father in space, or you know, who knows? But, but I just think she had this really unique view of the world that she managed to translate into a slightly. No, sci-fi I feel like you're doing a really good job really of cool. describing
1: it too, because again, it's been decades since I've read any of those books. But when you were saying like, "Oh, quaint," but then sci-fi, like even now, that's a pretty novel pairing. <laughs> Like, even after Madeline Lengel existed, I I don't feel like a lot of people fill that niche. Um, But that is a really good... Yeah, they don't. I really...
0: Nor do I think they ever did. I think, you know, the aim Mm -hmm. is always to shock or to, uh, you know, kind of be edgy or whatever. And she was honestly writing a very... You know, I think this is going to sound really strange, but I think the the most... um, the best comparison I can think of is Anne of Green Gables because it has okay. a very similar vibe of like very Christian, very like family oriented, but like also talking about like people should be more mm-hmm. than what they're told they can be. Um, obviously, Anne Shirley doesn't encounter mm-hmm. sci-fi stuff, but she's also a woman in a time where she's, um, encouraged to educate herself mm-hmm. when a lot of women weren't, and also like has a ima- has an imagination and is like, encouraged to explore it, or even chooses to explore it when she's told not to, and you know, kind of goes a little bit beyond what she's told she can be. Um, and and obviously these are both series mm-hmm. written in very different times, but and and for, as someone who's not religious at all and you know doesn't live um, this lifestyle of like you know raising kids mm-hmm. in the country or whatever like. I think it's weird that both of these <laughs> series speak to me, but I think they have a very similar, but they have a very similar well, and I wonder if I think, of really, it boils down to, like, mm-hmm. if you are a good person, and good doesn't
1: necessarily... Not necessarily I mean, lawful, but good.
0: I think good doesn't... Yeah, good to me doesn't necessarily mean, like, you mm-hmm. have to follow a specific faith, and I think these books would definitely argue a little bit differently, just because their mm-hmm. authors were both pretty Christian, but, um, but I think it's, like, I just kind of like mm-hmm. the feeling I get when I read them.
1: Um, yeah. Also just as kind of a contrast to like, I maybe some things that went wrong in these Buffy and Angel episodes is like, again, I haven't read these books in a long time, but I do feel like she's somebody who really understood and invested time in developing her characters and making them really believable. Like what you were saying with Meg, but like there is something about like, you can introduce really complicated concepts even to young children, if you're making it believable, but the way to make it believable is by having your characters act that way. Not necessarily the sub the the circumstances can be anything, but like if people are behaving in a way that makes sense, then it's going to track your story's going to make sense.
0: Yeah. And I think she allows people to be human, which I think is really important. I mean, like I was thinking about this because obviously I've read these books before, so I was, I'm reading the third one and um, Meg's mm-hmm. pregnant with her first child and so I was thinking about the fifth book because it takes place mm-hmm. from the point of view of this child but it also includes a character from the other series mm-hmm. who's not a good guy but comes into this particular book and is sort of approached from a fresh perspective right who don't know him and he's sort of given us kind of a second chance as a character which is from a se- from a novelist is a really odd and unique thing where She had this tendency to weave the same characters Mm -hmm. throughout her books um, because she had series that took place with the same family, but she also had crossover characters Mm -hmm. that occurred in both series, and this particular person is one of them. And I was just thinking, I was like, that is a generosity that is not given to a lot of characters, whether as a reader you're happy about it or not. But I think that's part of what it Mm -hmm. is. It's like she built a world, you know, which is so rare. Well, I
1: don't want to detract... I don't want to dive the wrong direction in this conversation but i feel like that's going to be a very interesting parallel to wesley so that is oddly like for as uh, rarely as people get that chance we're actually gonna see an example of that and, and a little bit down the line in angel <laughs> i didn't even think yeah. about that but way to bring it back i, to I angel. want this to be some separate <laughs> part of the segment of the podcast but oops we're still talking about angel <laughs>
0: No, no, no. That's, I wouldn't have even thought of that. That's actually, that's great. Hmm. Um, well,
1: maybe we can. No, so yeah, not to go can... on too
0: long about it, but everyone should read Madeline. <laughs> yeah, if it's
1: Lengel, part of your okay. reading assignment for season two or season one of Angel is also read all Madeline Lengel books so that we can talk about how they intersect. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, I want to talk about um, generating <laughs> starfish
1: arms. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Oh, I haven't picked up reading basically at all since I quit my last job. I am not disciplined when I don't have a job. So, um, but I look forward to first finish finally finishing. Um, Oh my God, subtle knife. And then I think taking a little quick break with the wrinkle in time. So,
0: and then you'll get back to, Amber Oh, spyglass? sorry.
1: I'm reading Amber spyglass. now. I keep forgetting which one's which I'm in the third book.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And then are you, gonna I can't decide if
1: I want, I'm not sure what order I'm, I have so many things on my reading list. I probably, I might, but I also might read one of his other books. I got Ruby in the Smoke or whatever that other one is. So I might do that first.
0: Okay. I think I, I probably think you will. Read that first. Uh, <laughs> also,
1: because I don't actually have a copy of The Book of Dust right now, but I can get one. <laughs> I just have to ask people. So
0: Plus, you know, maybe take a little break. That's also from kind that of what I'm thinking is that I think I might need and... one.
1: It's, I really yeah. like it, but it's very intense. So. Um,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. Ruby in the Smoke is so good.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so we talked yeah. for 20 minutes. Well, these Angel now, and so. Buffy episodes
1: weren't very fulfilling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this was not the best week. Um, okay, so um, let's see. This week, I think uh, I'm going to say I'm, oh, I'm, I'm going gonna to be Team Harmony
1: because I love her. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah that's fair. All right. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, well, I bye. will talk to you next time. Once More With Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny.
1: Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder.
0: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at
1: podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.